pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Your number one source for all the league's top headlines. Here's your host, Justin Kinner. All right, everybody, welcome in to Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Justin Kinner. This is the first release of the podcast in the new calendar year, in the year 2021. Again, Happy New Year. Welcome in. We had a few weeks off uh, due to the holidays, but we're excited to be picking up where we left off, which is, of course, bringing you some very entertaining and intriguing interviews uh, throughout the season, just to keep you updated on some of the top headlines surrounding both men and women's basketball uh, throughout the season. I'm excited for today's guest, Jordan Burnfield with ESPN, uh, broadcaster with ESPN. He, he basically is the voice of Horizon League basketball on ESPN throughout the season, and he'll be on the call tonight on ESPN2 as the Wright State Raiders welcome in the Youngstown State Penguins for a big Horizon League showdown. Now, unfortunately for Youngstown State, they have not been at full strength after start getting out to a hot start during the non-conference portion of the season. They're 6-4 and four overall right now, but they're 2-4 and four in Horizon League play. All of their uh, losses is coming in the conference and of course not being at full strength and of course if you talk to any coach you talk to coach Calhoun he'll say there's no excuse uh you got to continue you know next man up and I get all of that but unfortunately for Youngstown State they have not been at full force but they have a huge opportunity tonight against the Wright State Raiders Wright State coming off of a loss against the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. One thing that Jordan and I are going to talk about in this conversation coming up is about the unique scheduling model that uh, I've been fascinated with since it was announced um, heading into the season. The the scheduling model, of course, being where the same two teams face basically every weekend, it's a back-to-back doubleheader series on back-to-back days, right? So the same two teams face each other you know, on back-to-back days. And it has really created some interesting scenarios that probably would not have been created in a regular, regular season, right? Like, you know, a lot of times you'll have a big matchup in January that is just big because of the matchup itself. But as far as the situation conference-wise, the, the conference season hasn't had enough time to breathe for you to understand just how big these matchups are from a final standings standpoint. But right now, the narrative is starting to form a little bit, and the urgency is picked up because a lot of times if you pick up or you know, if you get hit early in the conference portion of the season with the loss, you'll have time to make up for it against that opponent down the road uh, you know, in game two. But the problem is, is if you have one bad weekend, you could really shoot yourselves in the foot, man. Like, and it's tough to beat. Look, it's tough to beat the same opponent twice. It's even tougher to do it on back-to-back days. Um, in fact, if you look at last weekend, the Wright State Raiders blew out the Oakland Golden Grizzlies at one point in game one. They were up 40 to nine or 41 to nine with about five minutes to go in the first half. They were rolling. All right. They they won by 30. They beat Oakland by 30. And then they turned right around the next day and they lost by 10. Like it's tough to beat the same team twice, and it's even tougher, um, especially when you blow a team out the first night to come back out with that same urgency the next day. Because I think when you're up big on an opponent, especially in the first half, 
you know, instinctually, you take your foot off the gas a bit. I know we could say, oh, you got to, you know, don't let up, don't let up. But instinctually, you take your foot off the gas a bit. And when you play an entire half with your foot off the gas a bit, it's tough to to pick up with the same urgency you started the game with the very next day. Uh, and I think that, you know, can hurt some teams. And I think you're going to see teams pick up some losses throughout the year because of that. And I think it's going to create some very interesting scenarios down the stretch as the regular season goes on and the Horizon League tournament picture starts to unfold more. For example, last thing here before we get to our conversation with Jordan Burnfield, I've been keeping an eye on the standings and kind of what's unfolding a little bit. Yes, you can say it's still too early to buy into any narratives that the standings are telling you, but... Cleveland State, and by the way, shout out to Cleveland State. Shout out to the job that Dennis Gates has done. Dennis Gates is well on his way to winning another Horizon League Coach of the Year award. Again, I'm probably putting too much pressure on him now, but again, there's a lot of basketball left to be played. But the Vikings are 6-0. and They're first place in the conference right now. They've already taken two games away from Youngstown State, okay? And that's a big deal. Youngstown was projected to finish in the top three according to the preseason polls coming in. Young, or Cleveland State already with two wins over Youngstown State. Cleveland State has Northern Kentucky for this weekend, and they'll have the Wright State Raiders next weekend. Now, Wright State is a very interesting program because they're, they were projected to win the league coming in. They have the Horizon League Player of the Year. Coach Negi has won multiple Coach of the Years. He has that program rolling. You look at the Ken Palm rankings. You look at the net ratings that just came out this past week. Wright State is over 100 spots higher then the next closest Horizon League team in the Ken Palm, and over 100 spots higher than, I believe, the next closest team in the Horizon League in the net ratings. Like, statistically, Wright State should just be running away with this conference. And it's tough. Conference play is tough. I don't really buy into those rankings too much, especially, uh, you know, with losses in the conference, because those teams know you like the back of your hand, and you add the scheduling model of playing the same team on back-to-back nights, you're going to pick up some tough losses along the way. It's tough to do. But what this has created is a very unique situation for Wright State because they've already picked up one conference loss on the year. On a normal given year, it's no big deal. Plenty of time. But the urgency of this scheduling model has added, has made that loss a bigger deal than what it would have potentially been on a regular, regular conference season. For instance, if North, if Cleveland State sweeps Northern Kentucky this week, weekend and they're eight and zero. And let's say Wright State splits with Youngstown State this weekend. All of a sudden, you have a must-win series for the Wright State Raiders next weekend against Cleveland State, which, by the way, Cleveland State and Wright State will go head-to-head a week from tonight on ESPNU. So make sure you mark your calendars there. Jordan Burnfield will be on the call for that one as well. But this is where the urgency kicks in. You know, if Wright State splits with Youngstown State this weekend, which is very plausible, Youngstown State's a very good basketball team, even though they've struggled as of late, you cannot count them out. If Wright State takes a 6-2 and two record into an 8-0 and o Cleveland State team, all of a sudden, for the Raiders who are projected to win the conference, that series with Cleveland State becomes not just a must-split series, that becomes a must-sweep series because that's the last time you're going to face Cleveland State. You're not going to have an opportunity to knock them off later in the season. It's now or never for the Raiders if they split with Youngstown and if Cleveland State sweeps Northern Kentucky, which is very possible. Even if Cleveland State splits with Northern Kentucky this weekend, you're talking about a Cleveland State team that would be 7-1 and one welcoming in a 6-2 and two Wright State team. Even a split between the two would still give Cleveland State the, uh, you know, the advantage and the gap and the cushion and the standings moving forward. 
I like the scheduling model of this. I know it's probably there's slim to no chance that this scheduling model will stick moving forward. But from an urgency standpoint, I think it makes these matchups even way more intriguing because you it's one thing to have a bad night. You're allowed to have a bad night in conference play, but you can't have a bad weekend. And when you have a bad weekend against the same team, that's even more devastating because especially for a team like Cleveland State, if if Northern Kentucky has a bad weekend this weekend and loses two to Cleveland State, their chances of winning the conference, they basically have shot themselves in the foot. This is a must-win series for Northern Kentucky this weekend. They're 3-1 and one in Horizon League play. Two wins over Cleveland State, who's sitting at the top. All of a sudden, not only are they back at the top of the conference standing conversation, they've passed Cleveland State. I love it. I love the scheduling model, folks. I, I think it, it, it's very intriguing. It's interesting. It brings a lot of different scenarios to the table that normally would not pre- present themselves this early in the season. At least that's my takeaway. Others might have a different approach and, and mindset on it, but I actually like it. And I'm really looking forward to a lot of the big matchups this weekend, including the Wright State Raiders, Youngstown State, which, of course, you'll get to see game one of that matchup tonight on ESPN2, 7 o'clock, the tip-off. Jordan Burnfield will have the call for that one. Next week, it was just announced by the conference as well, Wright State and Cleveland State will go head-to-head, uh, and that could be a battle of one versus two. UIC, from a, a standing stand, you know, they're 2-0 uh, you know, in, in conference play right now. You know, they've had some games be canceled due to COVID already, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, they're, they're in the mix as well at the top. They just haven't got the full body of work in and full body of games in yet. And that's the other thing to keep an eye out for is how are the teams who don't get a full conference schedule in and who still have a good amount of wins to kind of battle it out from a win percentage standpoint at the top, how that's going to shake some things up uh, as far as how the final standings are going to be projected and taken into the Horizon League tournament at the end of the year or at the end of the season. So keep that in mind. All right, folks, enough of me babbling. I tell you what, if you can't tell, I'm I'm a fan of that scheduling model, and I'm a fan of the start to the Horizon League season. I think there's a lot of intrigue out there. In Cleveland State, one thing we're going to talk about that uh, Jordan and I are going to talk about, new blood. You know, the Horizon League has had the same three or four teams really battling it out uh, for a good four, five, six years now. You've had your right states, your your northern Kentuckys. Uh, you know, UIC's been in the mix as well. Uh, Oakland's regularly at the top. But it is refreshing seeing teams like Youngstown State uh, and Cleveland State. Uh, they're, you know, they're at the top. They're battling it out. You know, they have two talented rosters, two great coaches. Coach Calhoun at, at Youngstown does a fantastic job. Dennis Gates, man. I'm really impressed with the job he has done. Think about the mess he took over, the timing of which he took over the program. All right. He had players transferring out left and right. I mean, he had some very talented, I mean, Cleveland State had some talented pieces transfer out. Uh, and Dennis Gates took over a, what I would consider a no win situation, and he won. And he, you know, co coach of the year last year. And the biggest thing he did was forget the wins and losses, forget the stats. The biggest thing he did was get the program to believe in him. He got the players to believe and buy into him, and that's what I love to see. I love when coaches come in, and and yes, it's not just about wins and losses. I mean, big picture it is, but it's about culture, and the culture that Dennis Gates and his coaching staff has been able to implement, that's something that's been missing from that program for a while, uh, and it's really cool to kind of see that program turn it around. Again, their best start to Horizon League play since 2007-2008, Six-game winning streak. It's their longest winning streak that they've had since 2013, almost seven years. So Cleveland State, they they got something cooking there. They got something special going on, and uh, it starts at the top with Dennis Gates. So shout-out to him and congratulations. And, of course, 
he'll, of course, just pass it on to the players, uh, and the players have a lot to be proud of as well. But there's so much more basketball left to be played. All right, here's my conversation with Jordan Burnfield. Just a reminder that all interviews uh, on the Reach the Horizon podcast are brought to you by Zervita. Uh, so keep that in mind moving forward. All conversations, guests, interviews on the Reach the Horizon podcast brought to you by Zervita. Here's Jordan Burnfield. We have Jordan Burnfield. Jordan, welcome in. How are you, sir? Doing great. How are you, Justin? Good. I appreciate your time. Before we go any further, just a reminder that all interviews on the Reach the Horizon pro- uh, Reach the Horizon podcast are brought to you by health and wellness company Zervita, changing lives for the better through nutritional and performance-based products and opportunities. Uh, Jordan, this has been a season unlike any other, and uh, for you, for me, for the players, coaches, staff, personnel, everybody, we're about a month and a half into this. I'm just curious, before we get into the Horizon League slate this weekend, just how different of a season has this been for you from a professional standpoint? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously been different. And, you know, one of the things that I think is um, a challenge or unique is doing some of the games from the studio and whatnot. But, you know, for me, it's really nothing. For the players, for the coaches, they're the guys that are putting – they're themselves at risk right so i think that you know for us it's it's a small um you know it's a small price to pay i think for the rest of them uh, they certainly want to play i know but um this is this is a risky time and it's it's an unprecedented time and so i think that they deserve the credit but yeah i mean it's 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 been weird for sure um you know not being in the arena or being off the court and sort of removed from the action and really i think the biggest thing is in this whole thing, Justin, is just no atmospheres, right? I mean, there's almost no fans in any of the games that I've done to this point. I think maybe two or three have had a limited number of fans. One of the things that I love most about college basketball in particular, and I've said this to people for many years, is that wherever you go around the country, you don't have to be in the biggest city to find a great college basketball atmosphere. And that's one of the things that I've always loved frankly, about Horizon League basketball is that you can go to these different places that some are in major cities, some are a little bit outside, but you get these amazing atmospheres with these dedicated fan bases. And so just being at games where there's no people in the arena other than essential personnel does take a lot of that atmosphere away, and that's weird. So um, I, I look forward to the day longingly when it's safe for crowds to return at maximum capacity and the electricity returns to these buildings. I think the players and coaches deserve a ton of credit for trying to manufacture that energy for the sake of playing this year. But it does sort of feel like a scrimmage when you're in there with nobody else. You know, and, and it's funny. I think we've always known the importance of home court advantage. Uh, we definitely know that, the, you know, you talk about that atmosphere. The reason the home court advantage exists is because that home crowd atmosphere can sway momentum in a game. Um, and it's funny watching a game, uh, a big shot will be hit late in the game and, and you start to feel it at home that, oh man, this is a big moment, but there's just something missing. It's, you know, the, the broadcasters are pumped. They're juiced. You can see the excitement on the players' faces, but there's something missing. And what's missing is the fans. Uh, uh, you know, everyone's being impacted by this one way or another. But I tell you what, when that time comes where fans are going to be allowed back in the arenas, um, I don't think I, I think 
the players and coaches and teams have always appreciated the fans, but I don't think you realize how something how special something is until it's gone. When that time comes, I cannot wait because you're right. What makes basketball so special, any sporting event special, is the atmosphere, and that is the one thing missing this year. And it's unfortunate, but it's just I'm I'm happy that the players are even able to play because there were a lot of question marks even coming into the season that we would even get to this point. Yeah, I mean it's obviously a bumpy ride through this season, given the fact that we are nowhere close to the end of this pandemic, even with the preliminary vaccine starting to come out by the time that's rolled out to everyone in this country and that everyone um, is safe from this virus. We're still looking at several months out, I think. But, you know, the fact that these guys are able to play. One thing, Justin, that I've been told by so many coaches and players is that they want to be safe, but they also want to play. And that these kids came to college, obviously not expecting a global pandemic would impact so greatly one of their seasons to play, but that these coaches in certain ways feel a little bit guilty, obviously to no fault of their own, that they can't promise them that 30 game season that they thought that they were going to sign up for when they were recruiting these kids to come play at their respective colleges and universities. So I, <laughs> the fact that now they're able to play some semblance of a season, even if it is different, even if the format's different, the schedule's different, and there are fewer games, just to be able to get that season in uh, means something. And, yeah, I mean, you know as well as anybody, these kids have been working their whole lives to get themselves to this position. And it's not their fault that there's a global pandemic, and it's not their fault that the world has had to adjust on the fly to something unprecedented, and it's costing them, right? So I give the players and coaches so much credit because I think for the vast majority of players and teams in, in all these sports that are trying to play through this pandemic, they have made incredible sacrifice to not live normal lives of college students so that they can maintain their health and they can play these sports. It shows the passion that they have, the dedication they have. And I think that's something to be commended. So you know, I'm hoping that we can get through the rest of this conference calendar without significant issue, and I hope that we can get to you know, the conference tournaments and, and the NCAA tournament safely and successfully because we love it, right? This is what we do this for, and if they're able to do it safely, then, then I, you know, I, I give them all the credit in the world, and I hope we're able to get through this um, without a hitch. Jordan Burnfield, the voice of Horizon League Basketball on ESPN, uh, ESPN's Family Networks. Again, Friday night, Youngstown State, Wright State. We'll get to that matchup in just a moment, Jordan, but I want to take a look at the Horizon League. The Horizon League was one of the first conferences to announce a very unique uh, scheduling model for conference play. The same opponent, the same location, back-to-back days and nights, um, and that's been very unique. I'm not going to lie, I like it. It's been, it's a- actually added a unique flair because we know we're watching something different than in years past but i love that when that buzzer sounds when the clock hits zero less than 24 hours later these same two teams or these same two teams are going to be going head to head the very next night i think it adds a unique uh you you know mentality for the players for the coaches as they prep but even for fans i mean we saw last week Wright state just pounds oakland by 40 and then they lose by 10 the very next day it's a very difficult thing but that's what adds to the uniqueness of it because a lot of times you'll see a team blow out an opponent they won't play again for another month or two 
It's fun to see teams who may not like being blown out the one day, but they're going to have a chance to punch you in the mouth the next. We're seeing a lot of exciting basketball here. I kind of like the scheduling model. I wouldn't like it as a permanent model, but I do. I have enjoyed it thus far. How about you? I think the way you put it is fair. I I, I would not want this to be the permanent model, but I think mm-hmm. for your Truthfully, I think the Horizon League deserves credit for what it's doing this year because by having them only make one trip and playing two games, it does cut down on the risk, right? And that's what this is about. So I think that it was a smart move by the league to schedule things this way. I get what you're saying. It does add intrigue. It does add randomness. It does add a lot of these things. I do think that's interesting, but you know, I would rather it be a normal schedule just because I think that there is some randomness and volatility that isn't representative necessarily of what it would be. And so I don't know if that would be a good thing long-term, but I think at least for this season, I agree. It's, it's a way to get the schedule in and do it in a safer way than otherwise. And so in that sense, um, I think it's a good thing. It's a good solution for the 2021 calendar, but let's hope that next season we are not relegated to this because I do think that, you know, I've always been a believer that the best team can usually prove itself over the course of a long schedule. Right. And, you know, I always say that in baseball, like don't freak out when there's a team you didn't expect to be good in April. That's, you know, 16 and four, because there's a lot of games to go. Right. And the best teams usually sort themselves out over the course of 162. I sort of think that that's true in normal conference play, right? Sometimes a team can win its first three conference games and you go, whoa, this team is, maybe this team is good. But then over the course of 16 to 20 conference games in most of these leagues, you figure out how good they really are. I think this season, because of the format, there might be a little more of an evening out among the teams, which is fun for a season, but I don't know that that would be a good thing. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. And it's funny you say, you know, teams jumping out to a quick start, ironically enough. A team that I don't think should be a surprise, but I think we still are looking at as a surprise, uh, Cleveland State. They, you know, have, you know, co-coach of the year last year with Dennis Gates, who's done a fantastic job since taking over, uh, inherited a bit of a sticky situation and really got that locker room of players to buy into his system last year, uh, and buy in in the offseason and buy in in this tumultuous season right now as everyone battling the coronavirus pandemic. But it's unique. Uh, I'll get back to Cleveland State in a moment. But uh, last year, I was able to have uh, John Calipari on the podcast because his son plays for Detroit. And we were talking about like he he got on uh, to to Detroit about he goes what are you doing you know the schedule is just brutal how can you schedule like that why would you put a non conference schedule like that you're just beating your team up but and, and him and I got to talk about how that's why you really don't know how good these Horizon League schools are or some of these mid majors because a lot of times these mid majors will schedule very tough non conference schedules their record will look distorted and bad coming into conference play. Then when they start conference play and start winning, we say, oh, well, they're not for real. Look at what they did in November and December. That's kind of the case a lot we see in Oakland. Oakland plays Michigan State. They play Michigan. They play tough non-conference schedules. Cleveland State played Ohio State this year. Cleveland State, at one point, I mean, they're 0-3 in the non-con. They lost by 7 to a top 25 Ohio State team, and they're in first place in the Horizon League right now. That's another example of a non-conference kind of distorting the image of a team perception-wise, and then once conference play starts, them getting to kind of kick it into high gear. Cleveland State, a surprise to you or not a surprise that they're sitting atop the conference a few weeks in? 
I mean, it's a little bit surprising only because to to see six and zero is probably a little bit more than we thought. But to your point, Justin, you know, they only played three non-conference games because of the oddity of this season. You know, we really didn't know what they were going to be. Mm -hmm. And to your point, you know, I look at a team like Oakland, right, that started 0-8, whatever it is. We know Greg Campy's team isn't an 0-8, 0-9 team. But because of this unique season, most schools were playing directionally available opponents. And so when you look at Cleveland State, there are non-conference games, Toledo, Ohio, Ohio State, which makes sense because there was limited travel, because – you know, limiting the travel is better in terms of, you know, not risking yourself as much for the virus. And so the fact went into conference play with so few games early on, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at it and you're like, well, what, what, what is this team? We don't know. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think that it's, it's only surprising because of the fact that, you know, when you look at, the, the conference schedule, I think that people probably didn't expect that they were going to start 6-0. I agree with you. I like Dennis Gates a lot. I think that uh, what he's building uh, is really impressive. Um, you know, they use a lot of different players. I think that, you know, the way that he kind of cycles things in and out is unique. Um, you know, you don't typically see teams with as many guys on their roster contributing as his team does. Um and Eichelberger really hasn't been healthy yet, mm -hmm. right? And they're doing all this without him. And so I think that they they deserve a lot of credit. I mean, listen, this is uh this is a team that uh I didn't expect to start six and zero, to be honest with you, but I think that it's it's not surprising that they're better in that you know we could see this coming, right? We could see that Cleveland State was a team on the rise. I'm looking forward to seeing them um a week from this coming Friday because yep. You know, this is a team that hasn't been on our package in the league in several years as they've been trying to rebuild and figure this thing out. So I think that now that they're they're on the come, I think makes this certainly uh, fascinating. And, you know, one thing that I've been saying to to people for a while now with respect to this league, it's only a good thing for the league when you get new representation on the package because it means that the depth of the league is improving and that the teams all over the conference are getting better. And that's not to say that we don't love seeing Wright State and Northern Kentucky and Oakland and UIC and teams like that. They've been some of the best teams in the league, you know, for several years now, and they deserve a ton of credit for it and have earned their chance to be, you know, showcased on the national stage. That being said, I'm sure they would tell you that when you see some of these teams that have been near the bottom of the league coming up, that's only a good thing. Yeah, I remember, you know, when I first started covering Horizon League basketball, you know, with Gary Waters when when he was the head coach at, at Cleveland State. I mean, the rosters he had, the teams he had were unbelievable. Uh, you know, I remember at the time one of the main topics was just about, how, you know, that team being decimated by transfers. At one point when I first started covering, I think it was about 2015 or 16, um, Gary Waters had Anton Grady, who ultimately transferred to Wichita State. You had Bryn Forbes, who transferred to Michigan State, who is now an everyday NBA guard, by the way, uh, and Trey Lewis, who transferred to Louisville. Had those three stayed together with Cleveland State and, and Gary Waters, I mean, that's a top 25 Horizon League school, a top 25 program in the country during that time. Uh, but so Cleveland State's no stranger to being, you know, a part of that, you know, big time scene in the Horizon League and kind of fringing on national relevancy. So I'm pulling for that program because I'm a big fan of Dennis Gates. And you touched on it. New blood in these nationally televised games is always a good thing. 
for the conference. Now let's talk about that as we close things out here. And again, we have the voice of Horizon League Basketball on ESPN, Jordan Burnfield with us here with ESPN. This Friday night, Wright State, Youngstown State. Speaking of new blood, Youngstown State, Coach Calhoun's done a great job with this program. They were, I believe, you know, the top of the preseason rankings. They've been decimated by injuries a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, heading into conference play. I mean, my eyes were all on Youngstown State. They've just been hit by injuries. Darius Quisenberry's been out for a little bit. I'm excited to see this team get healthy and see what they can do. I love Darius Quisenberry. I, I asked him about, hey, he's from this Dayton area. How come he chose to stay in the – go to a Horizon League school when you have a Horizon League school in your backyard? He said, look, Wright State's already great. They've already established themselves as the top team in the Horizon League. He wanted to go somewhere where he could make a, a name for himself. He goes, if we can get Youngstown State to the NCAA tournament, he goes, my name and my face is going to be a part of that run. It's not a selfish take on his part. He just wants to be a part of something special. That's the type of energy that Coach Calhoun has built there, and I'm excited for that program, and I'm excited for this matchup on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what you said is definitely true. I heard your podcast with Darius, and I was really impressed with him uh, going into the game we had a couple of weeks ago at Northern Kentucky. I mean, I, I mm. think that what what's cool about Youngstown State's story, and obviously injuries have marred things a little bit in the last few weeks, but what's cool about their story is that you have a group of guys that came in with Jared Calhoun, and now you're starting to see – through this rebuilding effort, even though it's taken a few years, that this is a team with a lot of talent. And there, there's a reason why they were picked to finish near the top of this league. And there's a reason why people are believing in them as a school that can really take that step. I mean, to win 10 games in the Horizon League last year, I don't think anybody really expected that. I think we were all looking at that going, wow, look at Youngstown State. They really got something going here. And so, you know, it, it doesn't always go the way that you planned, right? Uh, as Theo Epstein famously says in baseball, progress isn't linear, right? So even though you you can see that Youngstown State's arrow is pointing up, you know, injuries have caused them maybe to lose a few games that they may not have expected to lose. That all being said, I think that when they're at the peak of their powers, they're a tough team to play. They're physical on the post you know, Akuche and Bohannon are two guys that I think are really tough guards, especially in this league. I, I'm a big fan of Quisenberry's like you are. Um, you know, I think that they've got the pieces to be really good. That being said, the other part of this is it's one thing to be the team that's up and coming without expectation. It's another thing to be the team that all of a sudden has expectation to do well and to be good and to win games. And I think part of what Youngstown State is dealing with right now is that as well, right? I mean, Young, Wright State is used to being on top and being chased. It's easier to be chasing than to be the one that's being chased. And so I think that there's an adjustment that's being made on the fly for Youngstown State right now. But I think Jared's done a really good job. I'm really impressed with him every time we get a chance to visit. And I think that this should be a fun game because, you know, we, we know that Scott Nagy is just building a machine at Wright State, right? I mean, they're good every year. Um, obviously, the team looks a little bit different this year when you know you lose players like Gentry and Wampler to graduation those are those are big losses but you know look at the way guys like Tanner Holden have stepped up and, and just and I know you're around that program all the time I mean you you know Scott Nagy really thinks the world of Tanner Holden and I think we can all see why right I mean he's a exceptionally talented player you still have loud and love you still have a lot of good wing players and guards around um, holding in love. And so you can see 
that this Wright State team is is awfully good. Uh, so I think that the matchup will be good. You know, we'll we'll see who's available and how healthy Youngstown State is uh, when they get to this game on Friday, which obviously is going to affect things. But you know, I think these are certainly two of the compelling stories of the league, and we're looking forward to seeing these teams. Hey, thank you so much, Jordan, for your time. I appreciate it. Happy New Year, and I'm looking forward to the game on Friday night. You too, my friend, and uh, I listen every week. So you do a great job with this podcast, and uh, I can assure you that we use it as prep for our game. So keep up the good work.